Everybody come and play. Throw every last care away. Let's go to the mall. Today, Canadian pop legend Robin Sparkles. Everybody, let's go out to the mall today. Hey! Uh, yes, welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am Kintad Svensgaard, and along with me, as always, please say hello, hello to Mr. AJ Mass. Hello, 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 and might I add, howdy. This was uh, this was a fun episode. I mean, it's, it's not fun in the ha-ha-ha-ha sense, but... I mean, this is one of my favorite episodes. I just think this is so well done. So I'm excited to get right into this. Oh, yeah. It was intense this week. Uh, folks, this is a podcast about the television program Criminal Minds. Each week we recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show. I have never seen this show before. And AJ has seen each and every episode plenty of times. So those are the two different perspectives we'll be giving you of the show. Um, and this week. Uh, we are profiling season three, episode five of Criminal Minds, entitled Seven Seconds. And this episode was directed by John Gallagher and written by Andy Bushell. It originally aired on October 24th, 2007. And let's just get right into the recap, AJ. As you said, in an intense episode this week and a very good one. So we're going to open this week inside of a big shopping mall and as our camera pans from a children's birthday party to a larger view of the throngs of people and might i say i, I know we're, we're, we are going to get into it and once this episode starts it's going to propel but i couldn't help but notice the opening shot these kids at this birthday party were the most bored kids i have ever seen at a birthday party it just because i know where the episode's going uh you know i i it just really jumped out of it like there's so much intensity going on everywhere in this opening montage and throughout, but these kids are like half asleep while they're being fed cake, and it just cracked me up. <laughs> yes, indeed. So we all of a sudden hear an announcement uh, going out through the mall, paging one Katie Jacobs to report to security. AJ, this is not one of those episodes where I'm wondering what the name of somebody is. The name Katie Jacobs we will hear <laughs> a lot during this episode. But I don't want to give it away. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but uh, Katie is being paged uh, to the security office. We see a frantic woman. I would say, hello, Paula Malcolmson, who is, a, I would say, a well-known television actress. We do get them. <laughs> She's one of those. I know that that gal gals. Anyway, she's a, a mom clearly looking around. It's kind of amazing how instantly we can recognize someone is searching for a lost child. Like you didn't even know dialogue was necessary. You heard the page. You see her looking and you just knew right away. Oh, she's lost her child. I think that's what works with this episode. I mean, it, 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 you know, we'll get through it. Uh, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of shot. Almost every other shot in this episode is people searching for Katie. Like this is an episode about searching for Katie and you instantly just on a gut level, just 
recognize everything that's happening. And so you don't need the dialogue and that they don't do dialogue. And that's why this works. Yep. We are told this is Potomac, Potomac uh, Mills, Virginia, Potomac. I can't pronounce that word, but we know the river. Potomac. Potomac, <laughs> Potomac Mills, Virginia. And also immediately that tells us, oh, I guess we're not going to get any wheels up or BAU jet this, uh, this week since they are in the home uh, area of the BAU. As we are still seeing shots of the frantic parents looking for a child, we hear a voice over an emergency uh, 911 call being made, and it's by one uh, Susan Jacobs, who says that her niece Katie is missing. Her mom and dad are searching the mall right now. She's only six. And we quickly also learn the reason that everyone is so panicky is just last week, a girl was abducted from a mall. And this situation seems to be just like that one. There's an emergency announcement that the mall is being locked down. And we see the general chaos that follows as people are being given chairs and ushered together. No one is being let out of the the building. And we see the police arriving outside. And we see a bunch of federal types. And we see one man who's another actor with a very familiar face. But I don't know his name like I know Paula Malcolmson. But... This guy you've seen in a ton of stuff. He's uh, introduces himself to the girl's parents. He's James Franklin. He says he's the head of the rapid deployment team with the Bureau. He asks them for a picture of the girl, and they want to know more about what happened to the girl that missing went missing last week um, because they know that she was murdered. Agent Franklin doesn't know if the cases are connected yet, but he explains that they've called the BAU team in, and if there's any kind of pattern to these abductions, they will find it out. Yeah, that uh, that's uh, Nigel Gibbs is the actor, and he's, he's okay. like you said, he's been a you know better call Saul. He's still working, you know. He's been on Veep, you know. You, 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 you like you said, one this episode of almost every one of your shows. <laughs> yes. So next we cut to our team arriving, including Garcia. So happy to see. With the home locale, I guess they figured they can. They didn't have to fly her on the plane. They could bring her along <laughs> with them uh, this week. And they speak with Agent Franklin, and Hotch calls him Jim. And by this and a few other subtle clues during the episode, I, I kind of got the idea that they are not just casual. Not they're definitely know each other. Probably have worked together before. This is an FBI guy. He's not some local schmuck. They're right, they're right. simpatico. I, 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 he I mean he even 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 like when he when he meets the parents and asks uh, for a photo, he's just like yeah 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 I got you know the BAU I called them they're coming so like <laughs> yeah you know yeah he's he's on the team he's on the team. So uh, Agent Franklin explains to them that the mall is on lockdown. They've got surveillance footage from every entrance and exit, and it confirms that Katie entered the building but hasn't left it, so she must still be inside there somewhere. And Reed points out that whoever killed Jessica Davis last week left that mall with her because he wanted time with her in privacy. So they figure if this is the same guy, he wouldn't have left without Katie. So if Katie's still there, then so must her abductor be. Garcia is dispatched to the mall security office to go assist over there. And Reed and Morgan will go talk to the head of security. JJ and Prentice got to go talk to the parents and the family. And Hotch doesn't say what he's going to do, but obviously he's the one running stuff. So 
that's what he's going to do. He's going to run things. He's going to he's going to lead because he's the leader. <laughs> <laughs> Leaders lead. Next, we cut to Reed and Morgan, and they're with the security director looking at a map of the mall. Basically, this scene is just to let us know the mall is big. It's huge. Lots of restaurants. They got a lot of places that they're going to have to look. This is not the Manhattan Mall, which is like three <laughs> right. stories in the middle of downtown Manhattan with like maybe five stores in each floor. <laughs> right. The last place I saw KB Toys was in Manhattan Mall. <laughs> Does that exist anymore? I don't know. Uh, next, we cut to JJ and Prentice, and they're walking with a security guard. And the security guard is letting them know that Katie was last seen by her cousin in the arcade about 25 minutes ago. And she gives a description of what Katie was wearing. And then a rando cop walks up to them and hands Prentice a list of registered offenders within a 45-mile radius. And she tells him to go run the list against current and former employees. So I'm guessing Garcia has other stuff to do because normally they would call her for that. Yeah, but... she's not in front of her clickety-clack. So it shows you can't clickety-clack. Yeah. Then we cut to Hotch. He's walking and talking with Agent Franklin, who it turns out is the very one who found Jessica Davis's body last week. And he said it was one of the worst things he's seen in his 20 years on the job. He really prefers rescuing people and he doesn't want to be standing over another dead kid's body today. And Hotch hopes that he won't have to. And I have to say, it's been two episodes since Haley took Jack away from Hotch and two cases dealing with children, victims. I see you, writers. I see what's <laughs> happening. Next, we cut to Garcia running around giving orders to the mall security guys, who I think one tried to give her a little lip at first, but uh, she wasn't having it. She's explaining to these guys why she's going to need all the security footage. She also lists a bunch of equipment that she's going to need, and she says, uh, I don't mean hypothetically, like now, and she snaps her fingers and they hop to it. It's nice to see her being a badass in the field when the situation calls for it instead of her, you know, messing around with her normal jokey self. She's all business. Yeah, when it comes to family, you act one way. When it comes to strangers, you act a different way. And yeah, Garcia gets it done. We have another cop that comes up to Prentice with pictures of Katie that they got off her parents' cell phone. They've made copies. And Princess says basically they need to give copies to every person there uh, because whoever their potential witness is, they're going to need to see this too. And of course, the problem could is that the unsub could be any one of these people in the mall that they're talking to. I, I will say normally I, I would I would quibble like, come on, you're at a crime scene. How do you get all these copies done so fast? They're in a mall. There's probably a copy shop. <laughs> right. They 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 got it done. So J.J. and Prentice head over to the Concerned Family, which consists of Katie's parents and also Katie's aunt and uncle, and a young boy who is Katie's cousin. A uh, young boy, uh, we find out he's about 13. So yeah, young teen. Yeah. So we have an idea. Yeah. And J.J. says she knows, uh, to the, she says to the family, she knows it's not easy, but, you know, they're there to walk them through everything. J.J., basically does her liaison job. She liases. <laughs> yes. A liaison Sunday. A leader leads. So she... <laughs> A liaison person liases. <laughs> Next, we cut to Morgan and Reed, and they're going over the mall maps still with the security director. 
And Morgan points out that in addition to all the stairwells, storage closets, and hundreds of stores they have to search, there's also a whole subterranean level with air ducts, boiler room storage, etc. And the security director says that realistically, it's going to take at least three hours to cover the whole place. And Morgan says, well, realistically, we have less than half that amount of time. Reed gives his usual statistics about uh, how often and how soon abducted children that are killed are killed. And uh, it so happens that Jessica Davis was part of the 44% that are abducted and killed within the first hour. Garcia then calls Morgan and to let him, she lets him know that she's got the surveillance footage from a camera outside the arcade. Uh, she has footage of Katie leaving the arcade, but unfortunately, this mall security system is pretty ancient. You know, being back from the 80s, ancient mm-hmm. ancient. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Garcia doesn't quite have her full superpowers uh, that she would have in her office. And it's going to take too much time for her to enha- enhance the image. She can't do all of her usual tricks to recognize something instantly, basically. Yeah, we're going to actually have to work for this one. <laughs> right. They can see in the picture that they can see Katie leaving, but they can't tell who she's with is the main thing here. Yeah, it's a great, grainy, grainy one frame of picture. Like, yeah. yeah. And finally, after that, we go to credits. Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds. It's Criminal Minds. And after an intense six minutes of just bam, 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 quick cutting with the cops, boop, pop, boop, pop, pop. We're in this. We're in this. We are in this. And we come back. It's a frantic scene. Franklin's team is searching them all. And Hotch gives us our opening quote. Dostoevsky once said, Nothing is easier than denouncing the evildoer. Nothing more difficult than understanding him. Mm, I'm just going to hold off on uh, commenting on Russian quotes these days. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this seemed to be more like one of those quotes that they could have put at the beginning of any episode. Like I think they have a standby number of quotes that would sort of apply to any crime. (laughs) Yeah. Crime is the commission of bad deeds. Good people are those who fight against the evil. (laughs) Exactly. So then we see, again, the SWAT guys running through the stores and calling out the name Katie Jacobs. And this is what I meant earlier. I realized, I I wrote that, I could have made a macro when I was taking my notes. (laughs) Cut to cops running around screaming out Katie Jacobs because that's the interstitial, if that's the right word, between every scene before they cut to the next scene. In fact, I, w- I, w- I would just say for right now, just let's unless it's relevant to the plot, just don't even mention it. Uh, every other scene is Katie Jacobs, Katie Jacobs, open the door. No, no, up, 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 down. No, 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 no. They are working. And there's an energy that that does create when you're watching it visually. But to describe it in a podcast, yeah, it's just yeah, going to yeah, bog yeah. us down. <laughs> All right. So next we cut to Hotch and. He and JJ are showing Katie's parents footage from outside the arcade, but they don't recognize anyone in the footage. Katie's mom says that Katie has asthma. She needs her inhaler. Just to bring up another thing to like add to the 
<laughs> situation. We already have our ticking clock, and now we're throwing another <laughs> layer on. Oh, man. Yes. Uh, Katie's dad wants to be out there looking for her, and Hotch explains that he understands, but first they have to be debriefed, and they're going to separate them. Hotch will question the dad while JJ is questioning the mom. Both parents say that Katie had no connection at all to Jessica Davis. They didn't have any school, any classes, anything like that in common. And JJ has to deal with the mom who's freaking out a bit, understandably. But she's JJ, so she's able to calm her down a little bit because JJ got that magic juice. Uh, We next cut to see Morgan and Reed and the security director arriving at the arcade where Katie was last seen. And Reed gives some more disturbing molester facts and brings up Polly Klaus. Uh, if you remember that case, which was that was a long time ago. I remembered the name as soon as I heard it, but yeah, yeah it's almost as ancient as the technology <laughs> yes. in the video room. <laughs> so they explain that because of the Jessica Davis case last week, this is not being looked at as a normal snatch and grab. This is being looked at as probably a preferential offender who probably came to the mall looking for a particular type. And he probably feels safe at the mall and very familiar with those surroundings. We next cut to Prentice, who is talking to the young cousin, whose name is Jeremy. And he's looking down. He can barely look at her while he's being questioned. She asks if anyone has tried to talk to Katie. He says he doesn't think so. And then his dad says in a tone that, I'll just say it, he's out and out blaming the kid for what's happened with his tone. Um, he says, yeah, he wasn't exactly paying attention. And the uh, the <laughs> aunt, or I, Jeremy's mother, says, uh, you'd think that uh, for all her years working in retail, she'd hate them all. But it was a convenient place to come. And then she split up from the kids because she wanted to shop for her husband's birthday. And uh, her husband says, and then that's when you got lost playing in your video games, wasn't it? Again, very accusatory towards this uh i feel like at this point i'm thinking of this poor little kid things may change a little bit later but right now i'm feeling sorry for the kid yeah yeah well you know clearly there's chaos going on with the with the kidnapping and everything but clearly even had there been no kidnapping you can see there's chaos going on in this family we cut to hotch with katie's dad and he wants to know how all these questions are helping to find Katie. And Hotch says, if Katie knew not to walk off with a stranger, then that means she may have trusted her kidnapper. And that can tell them a lot. And it's possible she walked off with someone in uniform. Uh, Her dad wants to know what happened to that girl. And Hotch is explaining. He says, no, no, no. I mean, what happened to Jessica, the girl that what happened in her case last week. They're, they're awfully concerned with what happened in the past case because I think they've heard about it and they're fearing the worst. Absolutely. And it certainly makes perfect sense. I mean, if this is the number one you know story in the news, it just happened, it's fresh, and now your daughter's missing, I'm, you can't blame them for just thinking the worst here. We then cut back to uh, Prentice who is with the uncle, and he's wondering out loud if Katie might just be lost or this is just a mistake. She's just, you know, basically hiding out somewhere, and Prentice just looks at him, 
and he looks kind of disturbed as she just walks away from him. Then we cut back to Reed and Morgan talking to the cousin, Jeremy. Uh, he's, he's feeling down because his dad is blaming him. And Reed explains to him that his dad is just upset. And Reed talks to him like like a one-on-one -on -one simpatico relationship. And, and Morgan is just like, hey, kid. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> hey kid you know the moments right before kidnapping like this are the most important and you got to understand that you're the only one that can help with that and jeremy says he just can't remember what happened and reed says all they need is the last thing that katie did or said before he realized she was gone jeremy all of a sudden starts getting panicky he can't breathe reed says he's having a panic attack and it's interesting how quickly Reed noticed the signs and knows what a panic attack is, I thought. Heck yeah. <laughs> then they have him put his head between his knees, just breathe, you know, and start to try to calm him down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's intense for the adults. You see, the adults are like all acting in weird ways and just, yeah, certainly you would say oh, for everyone of of the uh, family members, there's sus behavior, but you can also understand it. Like this is not something that happens every day and everyone deals with stress in a different way. So you, you can't just all go, she did, he did, he did, she did. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We next go back to JJ with Katie's parents and her mom has a sweater of Katie's that she wasn't wearing because she didn't think it matched her shoes. And uh, JJ asks for the sweater and explains it's so that the search dogs have something to track. And I, I thought that was nice because it, you know, gives us like you're thinking of all these things that can happen. And then when you hear search dogs, your mind just goes, oh, no, you know, like, ugh. yeah, especially because generally speaking, search dogs are there for two reasons, drugs and corpses. Like that's that's really what it, what it amounts to there. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you, you see the escaped convict and <laughs> go get him, Nelly. Right. <laughs> That's that's usually not what actually happens. It's usually drugs and corpses. So it's ugh, it's not good. And there's so much breathing in these scenes. There's so much dead air and space around these things. I mean, she holds that sweater for the longest right. time and hands it over. And then she says, for the search dogs. And there's just this paw <laughs> hangs over. They don't have to tell you. We all know what that means. And just, just oh, the acting is so good. Then JJ also explains to the mom that Katie's abductor looks at her like an object. And if he has any kind of conscience, it may help to remind him that she's not an object. And the dad says, well, how would you do that? And JJ, while looking at the mom, says, well, we wouldn't do that. You would. We then cut to Morgan talking to Hotch. He thinks that Jeremy knows something, but given his guilt he has some kind of stress disorder so now he can't remember anything so hotch tells morgan to take him back to the scene and do a cognitive interview and morgan says okay and goes off to do that we cut back to the mall security office and jj has brought katie's parents over there she's calming mrs jacobs down and telling her to just focus on katie and don't make the unsub defensive with what you're about to say uh don't you know, accuse him of stuff. Don't start going in on him. Keep it on Katie. So what you what you don't want to do is, is to sit there and go, give me back my daughter! Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to Mel Gibson and ransom this thing up. <laughs> exactly. So she says, okay, 
and they get her on the uh, mic and she delivers a speech that goes out to the whole mall about who Katie is, how how young she is. They just want her back. She's just a little girl. Uh, the story is about how she wanted to have an adult bike, you know, with no training wheels for her next birthday. Come on, whoever's out there, we just want to give her her next birthday. We want to be able to give her that bike. She starts crying, and we see people all over the mall listening to this speech. And then we cut to a break. Yeah, and I will say, from the nitpicky standpoint, it's one of the few things in this episode that doesn't work. Is as as moving as this, the voiceover is is fantastic, and there are shots of, you know, Hotch with with uh, the other cop Jim, like looking over, uh, and the shots of the BAU, and those are fantastic. There's also just all these random extras who are looking at their phones. <laughs> And like looking bored and just you, clearly they just took B-roll. It doesn't quite match. And you wouldn't notice it the first time you watched it. Around the seventh time, <laughs> the ninth time, it's like, oh, God, and there's that woman who's got that eye roll for no reason. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I didn't even notice that. I have to, I have to watch it again. Uh, pay attention. So next we come back to more action uh, music. As we see dogs sniffing Katie's sweater, being sent into action. So more of that stuff that I thought I wasn't going to bring up, but I did want to mention that the dogs are on the on the prowl now. <laughs> Where the dogs will fight her. Fat Jack, wait for tomorrow. Don't have that time. Don't have that time. Got to listen an hour. Uh, yes, stoned <laughs> temple pilots. Uh, next we cut back to. Garcia, who was telling Hot she was able to decipher some of the film. But AJ, it was only seven seconds of the footage. But she says it, and that's our first title being said of the season. But yeah, I like it's 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 a weird push to like have seven seconds be like the title given this when it really could just it's just really there a setup for Hotch to say his line. Yes. <laughs> Which is uh, enough time for a kid to go missing. Yes. Seven <laughs> seconds. That's all it takes for a child to disappear. I feel like that would have been a Gideon line if if he if he was still around. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. I, I just you know, it it it's good for the Hodge line, but like eh. Okay, what are we gonna do with those seven seconds of video? Nothing. Yeah, there's, there's. It's no different than what we had before. Absolutely nothing different. Yeah, you are correct. Um, and it doesn't play in at all. It's just like I, we get it. This is all the video we had. We this is all the video we had before. Yeah. They do point out that the only stores in the direction that the girl was walking would be a furniture store, a stationery store, and a bedding store. So there's nothing that would particularly entice a six-year-old to leave an arcade for. Hotch goes, wait a minute, unless it wasn't a store she was following, maybe the right bait would lure her away from the arcade. We then uh, cut back to Reed and Morgan, and Morgan sounds <laughs> like old, old, like an old man <laughs> as he asks Jeremy, what are you youngsters playing these days? <laughs> Which is exactly how he phrased it. I was like, come on, Morgan. And Jeremy says, DOA, which Morgan thinks is dead on arrival. But Reed is hip. He knows that stands for dead or alive, as if that was a much better 
choice of <laughs> yeah. a video game. It's it's the name of the latest shoot 'em up. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what kind of games you like? I like first person shooters. That's all he needed to say. <laughs> so they have the kid retrace his steps. Uh, they ask him what was the first game he went to when he came in before. Then we cut to a quick scene of the canine dogs stopping in the middle of the mall somewhere. And Agent Franklin notices that there's a, a vent apparently that smells just like the food court. That must be overwhelming the dogs. So that's why the trail sort of ran out right there. I, I mean, fair. It, 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 I think it's, it probably isn't truly the case that that would happen. But, you know, we, we need to slow down the search somehow. <laughs> it makes as much sense as anything else. Next, we cut to Jeremy's mom. She wants to be with her son, but Prentice basically explains he's feeling guilty and that her presence might actually uh, exacerbate that. So, you know, we're not going to let you see him right now. She, The mom says, you know, one minute you're having a lighter engraved for your husband, and the next minute Katie's name is being paged. She never thought that anything like this could happen to her family, and Prentice says, well, nobody ever does. Uh, she wants to know what they're doing to her son, and Prentice explains that they're trying to use a sensory questioning method to get Jeremy to remember what happened before he realized that Katie was gone. And so that's that scene. Again, we cut to people running around yelling for Katie Jacobs. Uh, we cut back to Morgan and Reed, who have Jeremy at the arcade game he was playing. They have him close his eyes. They want to know what he saw, what he sensed, what he heard, what he smelled, what he felt. To Jeremy, the room was loud, and Reed gets him to say that it was both people sounds and video game sounds. He points out that some kid was yelling at his kid, and then we get a flashback, and some kid playing a video game. I've ne- I've been to plenty of arcades in my life. <laughs> Never have I seen anyone as, t- as intense as this kid was screaming, die, 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 over and over again. <laughs> at the video game he was playing. I mean, yeah, that would have distracted me too if I heard that, And basically. It, it, yeah, it, the only time I've ever heard someone screaming this intensely at a video game is back in the day, and I'm going to go real old, real old, old school, is when we used to get home from school, Channel 11 in New York, WPIX, had this call-in game where you could call in and there was like this voice-activated shooting game. And you had to, the one kid who got lucky enough to call in would go, picks, and a bullet would, you know, a laser would shoot out and hit the target. And so basically, the entire one minute of the game was just picks, 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 picks. Same thing. So, yeah, this kid was screaming, die. And the arcade was noisy. And Katie is there, and she is looking overwhelmed. She is not digging the scene. She's crying. She she wants her mommy. And unfortunately, Jeremy is like, stop whining, because he's into his video game, and he's playing his video game. He says, you know. And now he's picking up the chant, and he's going, die, die, die. Exactly. <laughs> and now he's doing that, and he's telling Katie that, you know, he gave her a quarter. She should just go off and play a game. While he's recounting the story, Jeremy is showing obvious discomfort. Uh, Reed asks him what Katie was crying about, and Jeremy says he can't remember. He couldn't really hear her. And Morgan says, go back to the video game. 
how how were you doing in the game? Jeremy says he was winning. They ask him how he felt. He says awesome, proud of himself, kind of embarrassed. And Jordan Morgan's like, what? How were you embarrassed? Um, and he goes into the sense of smelling some girl's shampoo. And it turns out there was some girl standing around by him. Looked like, you know, three high school girls. And actually, to me, it looked like they were kind of making fun of this kid. And he didn't realize it. Um, Loving you is a losing game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the One of them had headed over to him. And while she's over there, he's completely ignoring Katie, who's still there crying. And he asked the girl if she wants to play with him. He's got some extra quarters. I felt kind of bad for him in this moment. Yeah. Oh, and the, the, I mean, this is his memory, so I'm going to go that it's it's a true recall, but he just doesn't pick up on it. Uh, man, this girl's looking at her friends like, "Ooh, he's got extra quarters!" Like, yeah, yeah, yo, go, you got a new boyfriend. <laughs> like, from their perspective, oof, mean girl and him to death. Yeah. Uh, they do a little something tricky in the, the flashback because it's Katie's voice saying, oh, I want some ice cream. But they showed the the girl actually mouthing those words. So you kind of see that that uh, that Jeremy's in a state of confusion. But that's what they get out of it is that basically Katie wanted some ice cream. That's the fact that they needed to get. And that's the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy does still look a little bit nervous as he's talking to Reed. Maybe he has something else to say and Reed asks him if there's anything else. And he just says, no, no, no. And Reed and Morgan look at each other like, "Mm mm-hmm. (laughs) We'll stick a pin in this. Maybe we'll come back later. He is only 13. We can't push him. We can't bring out the rack and start the torture. (laughs) Right. We next cut to Franklin again with the dogs and somehow even though they had lost the scent before they managed to pick it back up and find a trash can and the scent was coming from there and in that trash bin is a necklace that uh, Franklin think might be important and and Hotch has just come up and he says oh well yeah it is because look at the picture uh Katie was wearing that necklace so I think it's germane to the case (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, and it's fine that they have the picture and that the necklace. Finding the necklace makes no sense, to be honest. Like, wait, they, they lost the scent because of the food, but they're gonna <laughs> go to a trash can full of food, and suddenly, in in the midst of all that, there's a slight whiff of Katie <laughs> on a necklace. Yeah. They could have easily have condensed this into one scene where it's like, oh, what's the matter? Uh, it's the, the smell from the food court is confusing the dogs. I guess the trail ends here. Look over there, a necklace. Like that would have made much more sense to me. Yeah. Right where the trail ends is where you find the necklace. Maybe it's connected. Then Hotz looks at the picture and says, oh, it, it, yes, you're right. You are 100% right there. Small tweak. Small tweak. Next, we cut to JJ and Hotch talking to Carrie's, Katie's parents about the necklace. Uh, they tell him that Katie said she found that necklace in a schoolyard about a year ago. And J.J. points out that this necklace is 24 karat gold and that the stones in it are real. You know, is there any reason that Katie might have lied about this, you know, finding it in the schoolyard? They don't seem to think so. And Hotch wants to know if he can search their home. Um, They're like, huh, Okay." And he's like, oh, no, it's just protocol. 
uh, he leaves and Mr. Jacobs turns to JJ and says, okay, what, what is he not telling us? Uh, they pick up that Hotch isn't telling them something. Absolutely. I, 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 I like that Hotch is all business in this episode and he's just, he's just doing what he has to do and he doesn't, he doesn't have time to hold hands and uh, that JJ does. That's our job. So it, I like the rapport that they establish here in the roles. We're really seeing how this team works and where their where their expertise lie. Yeah. We next cut to Hotch talking to Morgan and Franklin, and uh, he's saying that the clasp on the necklace was damaged, like it was actually ripped off her neck and then tossed into the trash. Um, if our abductor was the same old abductor that who just wanted to fulfill this urge and move on and like get out of there with Katie, he wouldn't have taken the time to stop and, and worry about her necklace. This whole thing seems to be motivated by rage. It seems to be personal. Um, maybe this case isn't even related to the abduction from last week at all. And then we go to a break. And that's a great place to, to have a break. It's, it's actually a break. <laughs> hey, we caught a break and we need a break. Yes. <laughs> so let's go to break. <laughs> True value hardware. What better? <laughs> I, I, I know we get to watch this show without commercials, which is fantastic because there's nothing worse right. than you're watching a really intense. I'm like, I'm really into this. And I don't mind. Even fading the black sometimes can take you out of it before they come back. But it's like, oh, I just need to breathe, to breathe. But sometimes it's just like, well, maybe this is unrelated to last week's abduction. And time is running out. Dun, 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 dun. Time is running out! Come to auto dealers! <laughs> <laughs> so we do come back, and Morgan and Reed are over at the Jacobs house already. And everything there actually seems quite normal. The family appears to eat together, watch videos together. You know, it, it's quite the idyllic life, it seems. And Morgan is like, yeah, I know. That's what worries me. Now, can I can I ask you? There, there was a moment there where Reed finds there's a DVD in uh, which is what they oh, they watch movies together. He he takes it out and shows it to Morgan and says, ah, this was my favorite movie when I was a kid. It's really quick. You have to freeze it. I think you probably did not catch what movie. I had this no was. idea. I said, I said, oh, I guess we don't know what it is. They're not going to tell us. I, I had to freeze it. It's on frame for like half a second. It's Babar, <laughs> which made me laugh because Babar is an elephant, yes. and elephants never forget. Of course, that would be Reed's favorite movie. <laughs> that is awesome. I I didn't see that, but that is a great catch. Babar. <laughs> Reed loves him some Babar. We then go back to the mall. JJ is asking Mrs. Jacobs if there's anyone in the, their life that they consider a threat. She winds up telling Mrs. Jacobs they don't know if this is actually connected to the other case. And meanwhile, Hotch is basically saying the same thing to Mr. Jacobs. Uh, he's asking if there's any families in the neighborhood that they don't get along with or any kids that, that Katie is, is having any trouble with. It's possible that Katie knows whoever the offender is. And Mr. Jacobs says he doesn't think so. He mentions that she gets along with everyone, and he says, I've taught her very well. Hotch immediately jumps on this phrasing. He's like, oh, why would you say that? I've taught her very well. Uh, not we've taught her very well. And he immediately leaps to them having marital issues. Again, all the stuff going on in Hotch's life 
is sort of having an effect, not a very subtle effect, but having an effect nonetheless on uh, the points that he makes and, and jumps on. Um, Mr. Jacobs is kind of furious at this line of questioning. Hotch says, look, the most important thing to me is finding your daughter. Finally, he sort of relents that, okay, I understand. And he says, no, we are not having marital problems. And he seemed believable to me, but oh, so believable that, that uh, he he says it, and Hotch just walks off. <laughs> Hotch is just like, like okay, uh, okay, cool. I I don't have to, I don't have time to hold your hand through all this. I, I think there's there's like a begrudging of respect and understanding between the two of them. Like, look, it seems adversarial. It's not adversarial. I gotta go. Like, I'm I'm helping, and, and and he gets it on one level, but at the other time, it's like it's hard for him to like. Like even even the mother's like like why would someone we know do this? This doesn't make any sense. Like, like leave us alone. Just find our daughter. Like this is how we do it. Like we're sorry, but business. Yeah. We then go back to the Jacobs house, and Reed has Katie's sheets pulled up. He's noticed that she has been wetting the bed, and also Morgan has found in her toys a Barbie doll that has. It's been disfigured, has its eyes and lips blacked out. It's uh, Katie has obviously been doing some destructive things to this doll. Morgan says he recognizes the signs, you know, this acting out on her toys, wetting the bed. The next leap he makes, I get it, but sort of seemed like a leap to me. He says she's obviously covering up something about that necklace. I get why he's saying that, but I, I also felt like... the wasn't quite the the leap he should have made from oh she's wetting the bed and playing the barbie dolls she's lying about the necklace yeah i i hear i think that that part of it is you're right in there just so we remember the necklace you don't need that like he he's he's got a he's got b that that leads to c absolutely you you don't need to throw in c (laughs) to lead to d like yeah i i'm with you i'm with you then uh reed flashes back to his conversation with jeremy and and realizes you know, he brings it up again. Jeremy may be holding something back. Morgan says, Katie's in a lot of pain. She's not telling anybody about it. And he thinks he knows the obvious reason why. He calls Hotch. He tells him he thinks that Katie is being molested. Uh, Hotch is, meanwhile, off to the side, uh, looking at the family. And they're saying, Morgan is like, you and I both know what that means. It's most likely somebody uh, under the same roof. Uh, Morgan says, well, but if the father bought her a necklace, no one would think twice about it. So why would she even bother to lie about that? And Hotch looks over at the family and says, she didn't because her father didn't buy her the necklace, which now leaves us looking at either Jeremy or his father. Those are the only other two possibilities there. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we've definitely uh, Scooby-Dooed this enough. So we're, we're not going to suddenly uh, at the 11th hour introduce a new character. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's someone she knows. It's someone, it's someone in, in, in the house or the extended family. You know, cool. Like, let's narrow the pool down. Uh, I think that works very nicely. And here's where you immediately understand why he brought up the necklace so that we could make the point that he so he could lead have the conversation with Hotch because otherwise Hotch might have come to the conclusion, but there would no reason to talk it out loud. So uh, I will allow it because it is important that Hotch has dealt with the dad. We just said that he he, he doesn't think that the dad did it. Like he's asked him some really hard questions, and even though he's responded weirdly at times, 
it's understandable weird as opposed right, to just right. suspicious weird. So he's like, yeah, no, it's not the dad. You're right. It isn't the dad. Absolutely. Not the dad. Like, so they spelled it out four times for us. <laughs> exactly. Makes sense. So Hotch tells Morgan to get back there to the mall. Prentice comes over to Hotch and he tells her that they need to separate the boy and his father into two separate rooms. Like right now we then cut to Hotch and Prentice in a corridor and they're explaining to Jeremy's father. They think that Jeremy may know something. So they want to ask him more about his son. And then we cut to Reed who is with Jeremy. Uh, Reed is asking him about his age and he says 13. And then Reed goes into how awkward he was at 13, just starting to become a man, just starting to notice (laughs) girls. And really what he could have said was, oh, it was very awkward for me at 13. I was a junior in college. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, AJ, if that would have helped him uh, (laughs) with with Jeremy. But yes, (laughs) he could have said that. Reed feels like he understands Jeremy uh, he's in the arcade. Pretty girl walks in. He's distracted at the scent of her hair. Nothing wrong with that. And Jeremy is like, dude, I never said there was. Like, Jeremy doesn't know where this is going. <laughs> well, he's 13. And he's not a savvy 13-year-old either. Like, a lot of times, a lot of times shows like this will write the kids a lot smarter <laughs> than they would be in this situation. When, you know, quite frankly, most of the kids in an interrogation, and this isn't a strict interrogation because they don't, you know, they're not treating him in the way, but it, it it's very much, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, what, uh, uh, you know, you get your Brendan Dassey's out there, your Jesse Miskelly's, like, that's usually <laughs> what it is. It's not, I know what you're trying to do, officer, and I know my rights, and yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to. Right. Reed then brings up video games, you know, these first player shooters, they allow you to explore your violent side. Clearly you're intrigued by violence. Now my question is whether or not you acted on those curiosities and have you experimented yet? And Jeremy's like, well, shouldn't you be looking for my cousin? And uh, Reed says he is looking for his cousin right now. And Jeremy says, so I love that line. I I love that line. I love Reed's delivery. And I was like, I am looking for your cousin right now. (laughs) It's just like, hello. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. A smart, a smart 13 year old goes, you're not going to lay that homicidal triad on me. (laughs) But this is Jeremy. (laughs) Yeah. He says, so why are you asking me all these questions? And Reed says, well, why are you avoiding them? (laughs) Uh, we take, Why are you wearing that stupid rabbit suit? Why are you wearing that stupid man suit? <laughs> For a moment, we got to cut back to Hotch and Prentice talking to the father, and he's explaining, well, Jeremy's mostly interested in his computer. He doesn't really seem to know a lot about his own son in this scene. He's, they're like, what is his friend's name? Uh, I don't know his friend's names. Uh, he likes his computer, listening to that uh, metal music. Uh, he's always been, you know, a little distant. According to him, he's always been this way, which I think is an interesting, not like, oh, at some point when he became of a certain age, he started acting out. No, he's always been this way, according to the dad. Yeah, I mean, look, you could see, and you could see on Hotch and Emily's faces that like when, when he said, you know, what are your, what are your uh, son's friends names? And he was like, oh, kids, uh, I don't know. <laughs> they both give each other a look. 
Oh, I am the father as we as we record this. I am the father of a high school junior. Uh, not only do I know all of his friends' names, <laughs> but I'm involved enough. Uh, he was he was in the school play last night. I went and I saw the school play. I knew the name of pretty much ninety percent of the cast. Right when we went into the hallway, most of them know that I'm Xander's dad. You know, <laughs> it's, right. it's like, come on, man, you don't know any of your kids' friends' names, not one. Yeah, uh, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, something is up with with the dad. They tell him that they found out that Jeremy has a record. And Mr. Jacobs says, he's like, oh, oh yeah, I know about that. He stole some earrings for some girl he liked. And, uh, you know, I would have done that too. <laughs> Wouldn't we all <laughs> when we were 13? And, <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> and uh, they tell him that he must have really liked that girl because the earrings he stole were pretty valuable. And uh, what was the girl's name that he stole those earrings for? Mr. Jacobs can't answer that. He doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know the girl. Like, oh, his kid was arrested, and it was ostensibly for some girl. Oh, he doesn't know her name. He's not <laughs> involved enough to know here. Yeah. Can you say, I smell a rat? This story does not add up. Yeah. And he tries to play it off. He's like, look, we're his parents. He's 13. If we had been, if he hadn't been arrested, he probably wouldn't. They probably wouldn't know he was interested in girls. As if, okay, so the son doesn't talk to them, so it's the son's fault. <laughs> it's it's also, I mean, it's 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 a really telling <laughs> kind of comment there. Like, well, you know, <laughs> if, if we hadn't caught him stealing the necklace, then maybe we would have thought he was gay. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you? T- <laughs> I mean, it came off that way. Maybe he's just like he's not old enough to be interested in girls. Right. But it, it, there was just there was just a callousness to that comment that just rubbed me the wrong way. Then Hotch just sort of looks at Prentice like he's disgusted with the whole thing, and he and he leaves. We uh, next cut to Morgan, who has come up to JJ and uh, Mister Jacobs, who is asking where his brother is, and Morgan tells them he's being questioned. Mrs. Jacobs says about Jeremy, and Mr. Jacobs says, you think Jeremy knows something? Morgan says they don't know yet. Uh, As soon as they know anything, they're going to be the first people that they tell. Uh, Jeremy's mother is there also, and she says, yeah, we just have to trust that. She's like really quick to just say, yeah, we we just have to trust that, you guys. Yeah, she's a Sixers fan. Trust the process. (laughs) So Morgan says, uh, excuse us, and he walks down the path a bit with J.J., and he says, well, that was really strange, and J.J.'s like, what? He says, uh, Susan didn't even ask why her son was being held. He he didn't even look at them for an answer. She didn't seem to have any concern whatsoever about why they had Jeremy, and they look back at her, and she's sitting down, relaxed, and they point that out. She's relaxed enough to sit down, and J.J. says, well, maybe she's just protecting whatever composure she has left. And Morgan says, or maybe she's protecting someone else. Yeah, I mean, it is very telling when, by this point, we have discounted the parents of Katie at being any involvement in this. And how do they react? It's like, you're talking to Jeremy? Does he know anything? Talking to my brother, does he know anything? Do they know anything? Is there anything? Is there any information? Do they know anything? Do they know anything? And she's like, guys, 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 don't ask questions. 
little bit stri- a little bit sus, as we would say in Among Us. Uh, hey, hey, hey! Can you cut? Can you cut them some slack? Blue lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut back to Reed with Jeremy, and uh, he's explaining to Jeremy how his job for the FBI is studying behavior. Like, for example, Jeremy's body language right now, he's pushing away from Reed. It's telling him that he's uncomfortable. He's trying to distance himself. And also, he uh, bites his inner cheek, which is a tell. It's a nervous tick. And uh, he was doing it before in the arcade. And Reed thinks that maybe he's doing this because he remembered something else that he hasn't told them. And Jeremy is like, I told you everything. And Reed says he doesn't think so. He thinks something else happened in the arcade, something that Jeremy hasn't told anyone. Cut to Prentice and Hotch with Jeremy's father, whose name, by the way, is Richard Jacobs. Uh, Hotch asks if uh, Jeremy and Katie spent a lot of time together, and he answers that, yeah, their family spend a lot of time together, and Jeremy does like his cousin. All of a sudden, it starts to turn. Hotch says, oh, does that make you jealous? And I'm at this point, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's busted. Uh, (laughs) because immediately they throw Katie's necklace in front of him saying they found it in the trash and they find it very interesting that he knows his six-year-old niece likes to read books and play dress up but doesn't seem to know the first thing about his own son and Hotch says uh, typically molesters only pay attention to the children they are grooming ignoring even their own and Katie wore that necklace because you told her to because she was special they ask him when he started molesting her, and he's like, huh? And Hotch ignores all of his denials and says, you know, you know it was sick. You know, you knew that it was sick, your brother's own daughter. How could you? Jacobs yells at Hotch to shut up, and Hotch is like, did she outgrow your preference? Did she get too old for you? And that's what finally cracks Jacobs. He's like, no, no! As in, no, she didn't get too old for me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah, the no was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just that total. I have just confessed. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a denial. No. 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 <laughs> yes. Exactly. He says, "Look, I have done things that you couldn't understand, but I would never hurt Katie." What an ironic, like, ugh. You want to punch this guy in the head? <laughs> but I get what he's saying. Yes, you get. I would never physically harm her intentionally outside of all the physical and emotional trauma that I have done to her. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hotch and uh, Prentice sort of walk off to the side. He can't really hear them talking. And Hotch says, whoever ripped the ne- necklace off Katie was in a rage. And this guy, he just seems broken. He doesn't seem like he was in a rage. He seems just broken. And, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a thing where even though anyone listening to this guy and watching this guy should be 100% disgusted, he's a horrible human being, it doesn't make him a murderer. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, he's he's horrible. He needs to go away for the rest of his life. But that doesn't mean we we take every crime that's ever – he also didn't steal the Mona Lisa from the Louvre. Right. <laughs> exactly. So Hotch walks out. And as Prentice is looking back at Richard Jacobs, all of a sudden she flashes back in her mind to Susan Jacobs 
telling her that she was having a lighter engraved for her husband. And so then Prentice goes over to Jacobs and she says, uh, for such a stressful day, she, she, it's odd she hasn't seen him light up one cigarette. And he says, oh, I, I quit smoking about over a month ago. And then we see Princess flashing back to Susan saying, after all her years in retail, she, you'd think she'd hate them all, but it was convenient. So this has given Princess an idea. And what I like about this is that normally when a show does this in like the last 10 minutes of the episode where it's like the big reveal of, oh, I know who did it now. Uh, normally when they do it, they do it like a Kaiser Sose kind of moment where it's like, Emily is remembering all the things she said and all the pieces of finally in a moment. Aha! I am such a brilliant person with such a wonderful memory, and I have figured it out when all of you, the signs were there, and you at home couldn't figure it out, but I figured it out, and I'm a genius. That's not what they're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> what what they're doing here is Hotch is like, all right, we don't think it's Katie's mom, clearly, from the get-go. We thought it was Katie's dad for a while. We've eliminated him. And now it's down to... Uh, well, there's only three other possible suspects in the family. I just told you I don't think it's the father, uh, you know, the uncle here. Who, who, we, don't, we don't think it's him. Who's left at this point? So Emily's going, okay, the only person left is the aunt. Let me go back over everything the aunt told me. This is actually good writing. This is good television. It's like, okay. Ah, she said that. Let me check. You smoke? No. Oh, she's a liar. Is there anything else she might have lied about? It's done very, very well, even though it appears that it's lazy. We then cut back to see Prentice. She is walking up to Morgan and JJ, and she tells them, look, the aunt isn't telling us everything, and things could get dicey here. So uh, she's basically asking for them to come over, so they follow her. Back me up. Yeah. They follow her. She goes over to the family who's all sitting together. She says she needs to talk to Susan. And uh, so she grabs her and Katie's parents get up and try to follow. And I guess that's what JJ and Morgan were there for, to basically hold Katie's parents back as uh, Prentice walks off with Susan. Uh, They walk away a little bit and Prentice tells Susan uh, she told them that she worked in retail, but she didn't tell them that she worked in this very mall. So clearly Prentice has gone and, and gotten that information and you know what that means that means that she knows this building she knows it like the back of her hand earlier she made sure that she separated herself from the group so that nobody could see what was going on with her and in the background you can see uh, katie's parents screaming susan what do you know what happened susan what did you do does she have katie so now they're finally starting to glom on to the fact that uh uh-oh these these people, these, this family might be the culprits here. It's, it's, it's really, it's well shot. It's well, it's amazingly acted. I mean, you know, knock it out of the park as, you know, not since her daughter volunteered for tribute to the Hunger Games since I, have I seen her act this way. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah, it's just like, Susan, Susan, what do you know, Susan? What do you know? What did you do? What did you do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, very good. We then cut to Prentice. She's confronting Susan. She's asking her what she did with Katie. They know she's been having marital issues. They've been playing like they have a happy family, but they've been separated. You didn't even know that your husband quit smoking, yet you were out there trying to buy him a lighter. Susan says, well, her and Richard have been trying to work things out. 
And Princess asks her if she really believed that getting rid of that little girl would take away his sickness. And Princess is laying it on hard here, and rightly so. Susan's like, oh, you're not making any sense. And Princess says, so when did this uh, crime occur to you? Did it happen last week after you saw on the news that a little girl was snatched from a mall and found dead three days later? Then we do a quick cut to Hotch and uh, Agent Franklin. They're splitting up the teams to search some storage closets. We cut back to Prentice. He's asking Susan if she duct taped her mouth too. And did you know that doing that to someone with asthma, they could possibly die? Um, Actually, I guess you probably already figured that out. And Susan is just saying this isn't supposed to happen to her family. And Prentice is saying it didn't just happen. You took her. You took a six-year-old child who trusted you and trusted your husband. You need to tell me where she is. Susan is still trying to play it innocent. Prentice shows her Katie's doll. She says this is how she sees herself, self-loathing, dirty, disgusting. That's what your husband made her feel. Those nights that she stayed over, he would sneak into her room, tell her not to make a sound. And Susan is like, stop, don't do this. And Prentice goes all in. Well, while you're protecting this animal, how terrified must Katie have been? But instead of like shielding her from more pain, you blamed her for your own pain. Which uh, I was like, oh, deep, true. She robbed Katie of her childhood. Is she going to steal the rest of her life away from her as well? Susan has had enough. She breaks down. Princess screams at her, where is she? Where is she? We cut to Morgan, Hotch, Franklin, and the rest of the SWAT team running down a swear stairwell, a swear well, a stairwell <laughs> into a storage area underground. And, you know, it's a lot of action. And after a minute of frantic searching around, Hotch opens up the door to a locker and he finds Katie there. She's unconscious, not breathing. He starts doing CPR on her. We cut to see JJ talking to her parents. They start to run toward the scene. Hotch does the CPR. Dramatic music is playing. We're kind of in montage mode here at this point. Yeah, and, this, and before we get fully into the montage, I, I love the fact that, yes, all episode, it's been cut to search, cut to search, cut to the search, cut to the search, cut to the search. It's not It's not like this is a random, oh, now suddenly we're at the end of the episode, we found her right. <laughs> situation. It's... Susan is being interrogated by Emily, who's doing a terrific job of getting under her skin. And finally, she's enough. Clearly, she told her exactly where to look because now they're running with the purpose, and they go into that specific room, and they find her in that room. Uh, and it's not just any song; it's an Imogene Heap song, which is you know just masterful mood music for the end of an episode, the OC done perfectly with the what you say, but it's just, it's, it's not that song, but it's, it's, it's just a very moody song. Nobody move, nobody get hurt. It's just, it's no dialogue from this point on till the, you know, until the very end. It's fantastic. Yes. We see Princess putting the handcuffs on Susan Jacobs and arresting her. We cut back to the CPR, but the EKG is still in flatline mode as we see Katie's parents standing there crying. We cut to see some officers collecting Katie's necklace back and putting it back into an evidence bag. And then they go and they arrest Richard Jacobs, cut back to the CPR. And now the EKG machine starts beeping. Katie starts coughing. Her parents look relieved. 
in fact, there's even a look to Morgan and to Hotch like, okay, thank you. We see what you did there, kind of a thing. And uh, Prentice is now walking Susan Jacobs outside to a police car. We see Morgan and Reed standing nearby with Jeremy. He asks if Katie is going to be all right, and Morgan says she will be eventually. Uh, Jeremy looks at his mother. She looks at him. Then she's put into the back of the police car, and Jeremy says he heard Katie call out his mom's name. That's what he heard. And Morgan says, we get it, kid. That's your mom. So he asks what's going to happen to him. And Reed, is that the most? Is that yeah. not the most heartbreaking line? In, yeah. in pretty much. What's gonna you know? The, 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 you know he's a good kid because the first thing he says is, "Is Katie gonna be alright?" Right. And then it's just like, "What's gonna happen to me?" Ah, oh, and they have no answer. It's, oh, yeah. it's brutal. Both his parents go into jail for a long time. Breed says he doesn't know what's gonna happen to him, but he's gonna make sure that that it's all right. But yeah, okay. He's going to make sure it's all right, which is such the right thing for him to say. But because of what we saw previously, we know that it's such an empty promise. They couldn't even keep the kids out of that foster home Yeah, in the last episode. They couldn't keep the kids out of the foster home. They have no pull here. So Reed saying, I'm going to make sure everything's going to be right, we know is bullshit. But it, what else can you say at this point? It, it just makes right. this whole thing even more heartbreaking. No, they're not going to make sure because they can't. Yeah. We did a next cut to JJ and Garcia leaving the security office. And JJ is saying Susan comforting Katie's mother is an image that's going to haunt her. And Garcia says, well, we could have been haunted by something a lot worse. Then we see Katie is being escorted into the ambulance. Her parents are following along. And as they go to the ambulance... Uh, Mr. Jacobs turns and sees his brother being put into the back of a police car. And I like the fact uh, a lot of times you would expect maybe someone would throw in a confrontation. Oh, you jerk. But he just he stares at him. He can't even there's nothing he can do. And he just sort of stares at him. They don't there's no word spoken. Yeah. I mean, what what what? How do you react? Like what? What needs to be said? Like what could be said? Yeah, it's like, ugh. Such uh, this this is just such a brutal episode. Yeah. Then we see Hotch talking with Agent Franklin, who says, "You know, there's still a guy out there that hasn't been caught." And I, I'm kind of glad he brought that up just to remind us. Yeah, they didn't actually. This case was not related to that other case, so Franklin is still it, out of luck. <laughs> no, this 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 last ten minutes is nothing but gut punch upon gut punch upon gut punch. It's just like, all right. We save Katie. Everything's going to be great. This 13-year-old kid has no parents. <laughs> this father has just realized that his brother was molesting his child. And there's still a murderer on the loose that they haven't caught. It's, ah. Oh. Yeah. Hotch says... Look, he knows that, but there's always going to be another guy out there that they haven't caught. But today, they made a difference. And uh, Franklin, again, this is where I thought, okay, he must know Hotch somewhat because he's like, well, I don't know about you, but if I had a kid at home, uh, I wouldn't really be standing here. And Hotch gets the hint, and uh, uh, he bids Franklin goodbye. Yeah, like you said, I, I don't I don't know if you need – either way you interpret it, You know, it could just be a throwaway line. I like I like think I hadn't thought of it. But I like the fact that yeah, he could be telling 
Um, you because he wouldn't know that Hotch's kid isn't at home probably. Right. So I just like, like, why don't you go home to your kid? I'll hand. It's him saying, "I'll handle the cleanup here." Yeah, you go. You go to your family, and Hotch smiles and shakes his hand, and not doesn't let on that. Yeah, it's not that simple. <laughs> so, so yeah, I do like that. I do like that. Yeah. So for our last scene, we see Hutch at a door. It's answered by, I, I think this is Haley's sister. Did we see her before? I feel like yeah, maybe we have seen, seen her, her at birthday yeah. parties in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, so she she goes and Haley gets there. Uh, Hutch is there to see his son. Haley says he's asleep, but Hutch says he just wants five minutes. She nods after a moment and lets him in. And as he goes into Jack's room and we see him, uh, looking at Jack sleeping on the bed, uh, we get a voiceover uh, from him up with our end quote. G.K. Chesterton wrote, fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. Hotch looks on at his son, then he looks down, and our episode ends. Uh, so much, so much uh, the feels <laughs> in that last scene. I, I, I love the fact that as much as Haley does not like Hotch's job and how much it takes him away from, from the family and everything, you can tell she loves him because she doesn't even argue. She just she understands. She, just, she, she sees it in his face like, oh, it must have been a kid case. He needs this. So she lets him in. I thought that was that was great. And what a great closing quote. That's just, just fantastic. Yeah. Not only on theme, but just it's just in general. Kudos, Mr. Chesterton. I love yeah. that quote. Like, you know, we don't be we don't have to be afraid that the fairy tales are teaching kids that monsters and dragons exist. They know. Yeah. Katie knew. Jeremy knew. They're aware. Fairy tales tell them that there's a chance we could win once in a while. I love that. That's a great quote. Yeah. Great way to end the episode. A great episode. Beautiful. So, as great as it was, AJ. At the end of each episode, we like to pull out the what we call the bow-rometer and determine if the team, quote-unquote, won this particular case, this particular episode. And AJ, what are we going to go with this week? I think we saw how well this team does operate. This is a slam-dunk win. Um, they, under circumstances where they probably had no rights, if this had been an abduction... Uh, you know, the odds, as Reed said at the beginning, were not very good at finding her at all, let alone uh, dead, you know, or alive. But they rescued her. They performed the CPR that rescued her. <laughs> they helped the family in need. Uh, they found out who did it and all the underlying reasons why. It's, we saw how well this team works when it's on, on point. Uh, and once again, I might point out, they're doing the shorthanded. Uh, and with uh, Strauss's uh, under under her eye, as it were, <laughs> not to get yeah. all handmaids on it, but <laughs> uh, yeah, clear W, clear W. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, what else do we like to do at the end of each show, AJ? We like to have eat some pie. <laughs> well, now that's a thing because that's what I'm <laughs> doing. But uh, no, what we like to do is have a little quiz. I like to call this three questions. Uh, They are inspired by the episode we just watched. Uh, AJ, why don't you take over? 
Yes, I will take over. <laughs> so, yeah, no trivia inspired by the episode. My podcast, Beat My Guest, has trivia. Uh, it's not, not Criminal Minds related, usually, but uh, it is trivia nonetheless. But here we, we stick to the Criminal Minds. So let's get you your three questions. Start with question number one. And here it be. Uh, Emmanuel and Salvatore Juereb. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that, that's the name, so I'm going to go with it. X U E R E B Jureb, the they played the uh, uh, the father of Katie and the uh, father of Jeremy, twin brothers in real life. Twin brothers, they they the similarity is really good. You, you know, they had to be brothers, but they're actually twins, which wow. makes a lot of sense. Here's my question for you, though, uh, Emmanuel Manny, as I'm going to call him. Uh, <laughs> Does it matter which one it is? No, no, they're twins. Uh, you can picture them in your head either way. Uh, Manny was once married to what clueless actress? Well, I'm really hoping you're not being really mean to me by saying clueless actress. Uh, and I'm and therefore, I got to think of someone in the movie clueless. I hope that's what it is and not you just messing with me. Uh, with you, there's a 50-50 chance. I don't even know if the odds are that good. Uh, <laughs> so I only know the name of a couple of the actresses from the movie Clueless. So I don't think, well, actually I know three. Okay. There's three that I know. Um, I don't think it's Alicia Silverstone. The other next one I know is Brittany Murphy and I I feel like I remember hearing Brittany Murphy about Brittany Murphy with someone before her death, but I, I don't recognize this guy's name, this twin brother that I won't ask you to pronounce again. And I'm trying to think of the name of this girl that that I'm thinking of who uh I wanna say it's Tracy. Oh, what is her name? Uh, it's not Tracy Ellis Ross. That's a different person. Uh, Stacy, Stacy the Republican. What is this girl's name? Stacy the Republican. Uh, you know who I'm thinking of, AJ. Her well, last yes, name. Well, yes, because I, because I know the answer. <laughs> oh, is this the answer? Uh, her last name is Stacy. Oh, what is that girl's last name? Stacy. Stacy Dot your T's, cr- cross your eyes. Come on, you got this. Do I have to send it's, this to you in some sort of Morse code? Come on. Uh, T's and I's. Stacy. <laughs> that makes me think of a naughty word that I'm sure is not her last name. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't think of her last name. It's Stacy, but you're not going to give me the credit. Go on. <sighs> What's the answer? I try. I tried so hard to to get you to say. I said dot your t's. I said Morse code. Stacy Dash. Stacy Dash. That was her name. Yes. Oh, that one hurts. What's funny is that I, I saw that under his bio, and then when I I clicked onto her bio, uh, it says she either got married to him in year X or year Y two years later. Like they, they don't even know exactly when they got married. 
They just know uh, that they when when she no longer was married to him. That's how ridiculous this is. This is. Oh, it man. was her third or fourth, uh, four four marriages and and I guess a funeral. I don't know four weddings and a funeral. I don't know something. Uh, yeah, Stacey Dash. Yeah, and I don't know if she's Republican. I think she just leans that way she, politically. She or, or uh, she is very Fox News. Yeah, okay. yeah that all right. Um, definitely pro Trump in all, all all the glory. Gotcha. But I voted for Obama, so I don't know why you're not a Republican. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> question two. Yeah. Alexander Gould. Okay. He is the one who played our our sad, sad cousin, whose parents are both now in jail. Uh, Alexander Gould. At the time this episode aired, however, he was no stranger to television. In fact, he was a series regular on what television show playing Shane Botwin, whose mother was also not exactly unfamiliar with criminal activity. God bless you, AJ. I've been on a bad streak. Thankfully, you asked me one I know. I actually didn't make the connection that that this was the same kid, but now that you said his name, I know it instantly. Shane Botwin was the son of Nancy Botwin, uh, Mary Louise Parker, on the show Weeds. Weeds is the correct answer. Well done. Well done. Little boxes, tiny boxes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. And then we found Katie in a tiny box in the closet as she's choking, and her heart <laughs> isn't beating. All uh, right. Oh, uh, yeah. You know it's time. I, it was time. We need it. For my favorite. Question. We need it. Each and every week. Question three. What will the plot be of our next episode, which will cover Criminal Minds? Season three, episode six, entitled About Face. About Face. Is it A? In the world of fashion, you're either in or you're out. Well, sadly, someone has taken these words way too literally as models start turning up dead and without their faces. Is it B? It's finally time to replace Agent Gideon. But when the agent who was supposed to report to work is found murdered, chaos ensues. Is it C? Missing persons flyers are turning up all over Dallas. The problem? The flyers are posted before the victims disappear. <laughs> or is it D? On Strauss's request, the BAU is called in to investigate a fatal shooting on a military base that involves some suspicious circumstances. Which of these four is about face? About. Huh. These are all good and plausible, as usual. As usual. I, I think the one about the BAU agent found dead just sounds a little too too much for me in this show right now. I don't know if the show is going to go there yet. It's because that almost sounds a little shark jumpy, and I don't. I think we're quite a ways away from that. So I'm not going to pick that one. Uh, I think the one that sounded interesting to me and that I would hope to see is the 
the the missing like it's a missing persons poster and but they're being put up before the p- people leave i think that one sounds uh sounds like it could be some fun so uh, uh that was in dallas i think that was choice c that is my choice the missing people flyers missing people flyers all right well we will not be discussing uh Fashion models turning up without faces. Not that, that uh, you're either in or you're out. I like that quote, by the way. Uh, you're either in or you're out. Please pack your knives and go. Wait, wrong show. I'm sorry. Uh, and we are probably a few seasons away from Strauss sending the BAU in to investigate a military-based death. So... Uh, Got time on that one. Uh, you can file that away, perhaps. You won't remember. I don't mind saying <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, you know, about our face, it just seemed like I needed a military one in there. Uh, so you're saying I'm down to a 50-50 shot here now. Amazing how that sometimes works out on these shows. Uh, and while it is true that it is time to replace Gideon, and we shall be replacing Gideon next week, we're going to Dallas and missing person flyer who have turned it up before the people are missing. Oh no, that's weird. Yes. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I got one. <laughs> All Emphasis right, on week. the singular there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, good week for me. Two yes, out of three, two out of three. Is, is like, I'm going to have my pie now. Absolutely. You're, you're <laughs> up to, you're up to one third. Oh. 0.333 for the season. Well done. Got my batting average up. Awesome. Well, that was fun. Uh, especially when you start getting some right. <laughs> it seems funner <laughs> than on those days. Uh, well, that was great. Thank you, uh, AJ. And guess what, folks? That is actually our show for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you guys had a great time. I would like to take a moment to get a shout out to Mandy Billings, AJ. Okay. You know why I'm shouting out Mandy? Because she wrote to us at Pundits at gmail.com. She is uh, our third, <laughs> third Wait, person. Now, are you sure she wasn't just trying to get us to switch our car insurance? <laughs> uh <laughs> I I don't even care. Whatever her reasons were, and I'm not. I, I you know I just saw an email and went with it. AJ, Mandy Billings, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're uh, still with us <laughs> while listening to our show. Uh, so yeah, you can write to us also at feloniouspundits at gmail dot com. You can follow our Twitter at podcast underscore pundits. And uh, thanks for being here, and we hope you're uh, with us again and again and again and again and again and again and again, because this show ran for 15 seasons. So, uh, till next time, for AJ Mass, this is Kintad Spinsgard saying goodbye, and keep profiling. Wheels up! If you want to go to the mall... You have to take security. But it's always cool. The kids are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Aaliyah.
Ah! <laughs> <laughs>